0: Welcome to the first episode of Cannabis Industry Mastermind. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: I'm a UX designer. I've been a UX designer for seven years in the cannabis. Started in cannabis in late 2019 on and off part-time. Beforehand worked as a contractor for various companies from advertisement to corporate level to like smaller startups. And then in 2019 because of me being type 1 diabetic and just believing in cannabis is medicinal aspects of it like various cannabinoids, I was like how can I move into the cannabis industry just because I saw that the tech companies are on the rise and one of the things with tech companies and software, you need good UX so I saw that opportunity early on and currently what I'm doing is just growing the agency trying to offer a little bit more UX services as we're expanding slowly and working with e-commerce solutions whether it's CBD, whether it's dispensaries and some other, a few smaller CPG
0: brands. What will meet you pick the cannabis industry and get into it a
1: long story short i grew up in a wild town it was irish italians polish lithuanians we all had our churches and it was a pretty small high school but as in high school most of the Kids rely on drinking, and I was early on just turned on to cannabis because I didn't get any hangovers. And being type one diabetic, it just sucks the next day because your hormones are all wrecked from drinking alcohol. Which I'm not against alcohol at all; like I still have a few beers and that. I was selling weed before when I was 17, and like I just enjoyed it, and I didn't go like out of my way. It was only between my friend circle, and I always told myself that someday I'll do it legally. But when I got into the industry in 2019, I was like, this is kind of like the calling that I said 10 years ago, and. Like I said before, I just saw the tech companies on the rise as tech technology basically holds the whole industry together tied in. And I knew that I could position myself as a UX designer or a product designer within the industry and kind of start approaching these their potential leads.
0: Okay, that's funny. Yeah, I, I did something very similar, except once I reached high school, I didn't smoke or do anything just because I played sports and I got drug tested. But that's an aspect that drew me to it, along with the medicinal aspects, because I would take medication for certain things and started to self-medicate. Yeah, and
1: like the big one was the type 1 diabetes. Like I've noticed tracking sugars and I've always experimented with my body in many ways. And I noticed that even edibles, like the first time I took an edible, somebody brought me from Colorado was like early 2005 like 2013 or 2014, just when it got legalized. And I ate normally, if you eat sugar, you need to inject insulin right after. And I ate a lollipop that I remember it contained 30 grams of sugar, not even sugar. It was a corn syrup, crappy quality. And it was, it did the opposite of what I expected. I was like, all right, I'm just waiting until my sugar spikes, but it actually brought my sugar down. And I was like, huh, that's very interesting. That's like I the rabbit hole i got into and once i noticed that i could apply my skills within the industry it's like a love match
0: definitely agree. Also, i also did something similar i sold weed when i was broke in college and to get music festival tickets but only to my friends
1: isn't it so fun and like you're not doing anything wrong and it's literally your friends i was not like one of those hustlers in high school that just try to get as many connects as possible or just be on top but i was just within my circle, not too open about it. It's just like me and just supplying my friends. So that's pretty much yeah. it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I thought about selling too, but selling, I think selling shovels is a little bit better. Sell shovels during the gold rush. I yeah. think. That's a term <laughs> or whatever. Okay. How big is your business right now? Where are you guys at? Oh, so
1: we're currently last year, we did close to 400,000, three people, not full-time yet. I'm the only full-time person I got two contractors that are like full-time and then another two that if I need some extra work hire them. And then this year we're hoping to break into close to a million. That would be a nice one. And I think we're pretty close to
0: that. Nice. That's my goal too, for this year, 1 million. So what kind of business, like what kind of services do you offer exactly? And what, how much does it cost?
1: So UX design, many people might think of like UX design, it's just like web design or anything like that. There's just a little bit more, obviously. And I stole this, like if people ask, what is UX? I stole this from one of my mentors, Dr. Nick Fine. He's a UX psychologist and he has like three definitions that really stuck with me for a while. So the high level is the process of achieving optimal interaction. A lower level definition is the conversion of user needs into experience and then combine is the process of achieving optimal interaction through the conversion of user needs into experience. And that's like pretty much like what UX is. but in terms of services, so we do software design, we test with users, whether it's e-commerce, whether it's software, whether it's something a little bit more complicated like customer journeys, working with marketing teams, focusing on analytics, drafting research for companies and all that stuff. But since cannabis is still very light when it comes to design maturity, most of the time, most of the customers come in with the basics. hey, I need a redesign on my website. They don't know exactly what UX is, but they're just like, we need best web design with the best UX. And then once we get into the learn it, learn against it. But as soon as we start growing and I could add a few more talented people to my company, I think we'll be offering a little bit more like detailed services for bigger businesses that are seeking those type of services. And it's mostly revolved around right? In general terms, conversions, just increasing certain metrics, sometimes establishing metrics through research and through validation.
0: Very cool. What would you say is an important factor to consider when somebody is looking for a UX provider, whether that's like a consultant or a UX team?
1: I think the biggest one for me, what I see is most of the UX firms, agencies are just consultants. They're not outcome driven. If they're not outcome-driven, you're not going to know where you invested that money into, like what value it brought to you. If you're dealing with an agency that is able to frame the outcome that the customer is seeking, that's the type of agency you should work for. I think the red flags are as soon as you're all over the place and there's no really defined outcome where both parties agreed i think you should probably split other ways and keep looking for a better vendor or just better agency in general
0: okay that makes sense what are some like common misconceptions you hear around ux whether it's in cannabis specifically or in other sectors
1: like i said because of the maturity i think a lot of people just think that it's like web design Sometimes to do with web design like maybe more tech companies the ones that provide like e-commerce solutions they do understand what ux that we work specifically with customer journeys. We focus on things that are parallel with SEO. We work on like clicks, time loss, and loading overloaded pages, inconvenient menus, frustration of not getting feedback from a system and all that stuff. And then some things like utility, just like the nature of the product, if it helps users or not. And the simplest term is like most of the people don't realize that UX is there to understand the problem, identify the problem, and frame it in the way where each parties or whoever is participating in that project understands how to tackle it. And the biggest issue that I see in UX and in cannabis in general is most people don't know how to research and identify the problems. And this is quoted by another great UX designer. I forgot how he says it, I'll probably butcher it, but in the simple way is most people, most designers are inexperienced designers or marketers. They're good at identifying the wrong problem. And the best thing that they will do is solve the wrong problem really well, but it's not going to give the best outcome if you've understood which problem to work on in the first place. That makes sense.
0: What are some things that you think could be improved in cannabis, e-commerce specifically, UX?
1: The first one is visibility status. So just keeping the users informed throughout the whole journey. One of the things I noticed, and we talked about the platform before, When you add to cart and then it takes a few seconds for the state to show you that you added something to cart, that kind of pisses me off. Probably improving the catalog pages. I noticed that there's sometimes information overload, especially if you have like cards Cause like Dutchy uses like vertical products. I think meet map does the same thing. And there's some truth to it. Cause there's like different patterns that you scan when you do like eye tracking or anything like that. There's like different patterns. So there's the F pattern, yeah. literally your eyes go through the F pattern and there's Z pattern. But when you place like a whole bunch of cards together and you go through Z patterns constantly, your eyes are moving left and right. And that kind of causes the user to experience negative aspects, whether it's like visibility or system status. So I think like the biggest one is like catalogs, understanding of what information, and then obviously being compliant when it comes to displaying information on the cards. Second one is checkout would be really good. The third one that I noticed is just because the industry I think is not mature yet, there's not like cohesive all-in-one solution where you could have one software to do everything what i mean by that is like sometimes the rewards at dispensaries are just so skewed i don't even know usually go to a a local store here and then I've been going there for so long and the butt tender, she's, oh yeah, you have $25 on your rewards. I'm like, what? I was like, I've never even know how to log into that. I don't know where to even access that. And then I I did it on purpose. I looked on their website and it was completely on the bottom hidden. There was no call to actions throughout the website to join their loyalty or reward or what I'm going to get. And it's just like randomly, but those are like some of the things I noticed. And then obviously just content layout, the architecture and the hierarchy of layout that kind of is based on individual consumer and stores and just regions. So for some stores, maybe you should focus a little bit more on sales and like discounted products on your top spread of the landing page. For some other ones, consumers are more interested into brands like new brands, just seeing what's new there. So just focusing, I think, more on understanding the user besides just plain data that you see from Google Analytics.
0: Okay. Got it. What is your service cost roughly? I know it's no case by case, but you can just give us a rough estimate.
1: So it depends like a regular e-commerce store, no research or anything like that. Just a few products, product page, maybe a brand page, a blog page or something like design will start at 15. Depends if it's something a little bit more robust. We're looking at 50 to maybe a hundred.
0: Got it. How do you acquire customers for your business?
1: Currently through LinkedIn. I was doing podcasts before, which helped to gain awareness and like late 2019 and then i guess just by posting every single day linkedin has been like the best uh, marketing platform for that and i do want to constantly talk about it. i do want to expand into a more strategic approach as well
0: yeah i've noticed that too there's a stat that i saw less than 1% of people Link on LinkedIn ever post. It's super untapped. And yeah, that's where I get most of my business too. Oh yeah, it's
1: 99% consume and only one of 1% creation, which is absolutely bizarre. And then like, when you think about the cannabis industry, LinkedIn has done so much in the past like three years there's because it's been friendly with the cannabis industry like everybody blew up their businesses or even grown their businesses because of linkedin and i know i'm in the comfortable spot when like you get leads coming through emails and dms like that's very nice but i do want to improve my strategic approaches when it comes to marketing and acquiring customers and just sales in general
0: yeah no, i heard linkedin and twitter are very similar so i'm actually personally doubling down on linkedin as well you can post very similar content on both
1: i've tried to tap into twitter and keep doing it but for some reason it just puts me back into a personal brand my personal interest versus oh no shit this is like my business account i should be probably focusing on like following more cannabis brands and interacting with yeah. them but it's been really hard since i'm used to
0: the flow and everything of linkedin it's just yeah kind of like pain in the butt posting too many memes that's what i do on twitter yeah um, I,
1: that's literally what it, yeah that's what it's for
0: cool so What are some effective tactics for increasing customer retention and loyalty that you've used?
1: Well, from UX design, I'll give you some like general ones. I think... Is like nailing the basic tenants, which we talked about in the beginning. Utility lies in the nature of the product, if it helps the users or not. That's like the main one. Usability, it's understanding the customer journey, making it clear and easy, reducing the clicks, time load pages, like inconvenient menus, avoiding frustration, accessibility for some people that could be like dyslexic or they have a colorblind list. And then I think overall, in a very general arc, is just understanding the user and making it as easy as possible. For them to purchase something from you, convert them to the other side. And then when it comes to approaches of like post-purchase and stuff like that, something just depends on the brand, how you approach keeping in touch
0: with the buyers. So what role does customer feedback research play into a business when you're making a decision?
1: It helps you to identify the core problem, not the issue. So you're just not masking it. There's just a general term, but one of these honor uses like, Even if you put lipstick on the pig, it's still a pig towards the end of the day. Research, understanding the problem, the core problem, understanding how to make those decisions via data driven approaches, and then understanding what solutions. And everything is calculated through UX, which is really cool, or just through research methodologies, which gives you just, I think, in in better, just better outcome when it comes to taking on these initiatives.
0: If you owned your own cannabis business theoretically what channels would you double down on uh, no obviously ux what else would you do if it were you
1: well, obviously i work with seo i think and we've talked about this before like some seo companies take the wins when it comes to design this is what we did but i think if you work because our approaches are very similar we focus on understanding where the user's in from how many users like what their interests are where their motivation lies, what their intent is finding those out I think I'd still focus mainly on SEO and then I'd have some sort of custom loyalty program where I could upsell cross-sell downsell and just run various campaigns within that community I think email list would be my, my main one and then maybe as a byproduct I would do like secondary level channels where maybe I'll do a podcast or something like that where it's that's type of like safe content so those would be like my main ones SEO and Google I think would be my main ones but with paired with like sophisticated UX.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. And I always talk about it. If I ever launch my own company, double down on SEO and sophisticated UX for sure. And then some sort of retention like email and SMS.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then another thing we talked about this before is like the brands that I would work with, I would focus maybe even offering them a service too but improving their SEO as well and pushing the traffic to for the locations where they carry the product.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. For a cannabis products distributor or manufacturer. Yeah, definitely double down on funneling your traffic into your partner's menus is what I would do too. That's exactly what Kiva, they do that really well, I think, in my opinion. I would see referral traffic from Kiva.
1: I think those would be my main ones then. I think the third one is obviously like internal organization. Like right now, I'm working with the client and on the platform, we have our own reward system that we're going to launch. But then the like C-levels or the management, they're like, they let the tenders create their own loyalty. And we're like, That's, yeah, yeah. So I would focus more since I worked with some projects that focus more like on internal organization, I'd really focus on employee training, some sort of like e-learnings and stuff like that, making sure that they keep following the SOPs and the rules that are established within the business while still being natural. And I think that yeah. would help a lot too. I think Flow Hub does that too, where they get is like feedback or something to improve various processes. So, I would hire somebody to just constantly keep on that to improve the efficiency of the employees working there as well.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I see even bigger companies with zero processes, zero KPIs, just basically winging it, no policies, nothing, and usually aren't doing so hot. So, yeah, it's definitely extremely important SOPs.
1: Yeah. And then, like things like I remember a few experiences, like the post it on LinkedIn and a few experiences like in Denver, when I lived in Denver, I walked into one of the dispensaries and one guy was serving me and another girl was on like going on lunch break or something like that. And she was like so loud about how she's hungry, how she wanted to go get Chipotle. And I was like, I don't want to hear that shit. Like when I come to the store, that's your personal issues. Like you could go in the back and talk about that, but not in front of a customer because it makes me like look at the employees, you know, kind of. Lazy. And then another thing I noticed too, it's probably somebody crafted or just the management told you, which I posted on LinkedIn about coming in to get my usual topical cream from a dispensary And then they try to offer me like a CBD by like a football player. I was like, oh yeah. And then they come up with some lie. My my parents are sick or something or I should see my mom use this and she's seen an improvement in her arthritis or something like that. When you work in the industry, you could smell the bullshit from far away. And those yeah. type of processes I would eliminate. I would try to have the employee act as natural as possible and also be, I guess like a research machine, because like they're facing the consumer. So you could you have the opportunity to learn about the consumer, the user, the customer, whatever you want to call it from various verticals that you work with. But the employee is essentially like your feedback machine. So it's like, why not set up some sort of frameworks where they ask specific questions and they either lock something or just have an open up conversations with management or even the heads of the store as well to improve whatever, or just gain insights and improve. Maybe it's something that could be improved on their digital experience. Maybe their store layout is shitty and you find that out. Maybe you find out that the menu is skewed. There's just so many opportunities that I feel like from a designer's perspective, like these touch points, interactions with the customer where you could gain so much more insights rather than just looking at A and B data.
0: When I think of employees being involved in different processes, I think they're the best people to shape your SOPs because they're the ones doing the thing day in and day out. So I always try to get feedback from my employees as much as possible just for that reason. But that's genius. Yeah. I haven't even thought about that.
1: Yeah. And it's like another thing that kind of pisses me off too, when it comes to, um, well, it doesn't piss me off, but I understand like the maturity of, of design in the industry is like a lot of people like, I get these objections. A lot of people think when we propose like research that it's going to be super difficult for them to gather all the data or work with us. But it's very simple because most of the time, all you need is just a few calls, provide me with all the resources that are necessary. And we kind of work in the background and then just have weekly check-ins to show you and document you and just go over what we found, which direction to move for. And like, when you look at the opposite aspect of not doing like a full cycle UX research and UX design to redesign something... You have to look at the cost of the hours needed to correct the issue later on versus just doing it right the first time. And I think that's like the biggest like pet peeve or objection that I get that it's really to brush across some customers that it's, you're going to be fixing this like later on versus identifying the issues right now and just save a lot of money by fixing the problems right now and integrate that into your product. Once you're there, you'd be constantly working around that constraint.
0: Exactly, Be proactive instead of fixing a fire six months down the line or even sooner.
1: Yeah, and it just costs way more.
0: What is your current sales strategy right now?
1: Oh, I don't have a good one. (laughs) I'll be honest. In terms of a sales strategy, yeah, it's pretty much, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a simple sales strategy where I get a lead or something from LinkedIn. We hop on a call, identify issues if there's some sort of alignment or fit. And then we give them a... I work with the proposal in alignment with the potential leader of the client. And then we go over, iterate at that proposal until we meet the middle that matches both parties. And then we move forward. And then through that, that three step, like two, three step process, we identify the costs, the timeline, the milestones, scope, and all that stuff. But I would like to learn a little bit more about sales and just like nailing in the process.
0: Awesome. I'd like to help you with that. I've actually helped agencies with that and they actually turned around financially. So I'd love to help you with that. Sales is super underrated in my opinion.
1: And I, I love it. Like I love sales and I love anything. I started to love operations of business more than a design. When you become a senior, you start looking at in like internally versus yeah. focusing on external like clients. I, was, I don't know if it's like project management, product management, but yeah, I'm really fascinated about that. So yeah, thank you. Definitely would love to discuss that later.
0: What is your favorite method to consume cannabis? I've
1: been off smoking for years. Currently, I would say edibles. So our mutual friend, Blake Villa, he launched the Quick Drops. A little shout out to him. He sent me his droplets, Quick Drops. They're one milligram per one droplet. So I usually use that. I've been a big fan of microdose edibles, tablets or something like that. Like 1906, they're in nootropics. And then here and there, I'll, I'll consume a joint or something like that. But those are the top three. So it'd be edibles, beverages, since they're getting popular. And then the lot, the, the three and four would be some sort of flour, whether it's concentrate or a pre-roll or just plain flour.
0: Okay. Yeah, I cut down to a lot. I barely smoke anymore. I'm trying to switch to vaping because obviously... Smoking is not good for you. I don't care what it comes from.
1: We vape in a CBD pen right now. Since my mind is like scattered, it just helps me relax a little bit. I smoked so much like back in the day. Most people like think, wouldn't even think that I was complete stoner. Like I used to go through three packs of Swishers a day. So that's six blunts. I used to literally, oh, yeah, like that. Oh, wow. um, and, and just like, Recently, three years ago, I got off that, and I was doing that for years and years. Wake up to a blunt. I don't. I never like joints for some reason. When they burn to the bottom, it's just nasty. nasty. Yeah. yeah, versus a blunt. And some people say maybe you're addicted to tobacco and like, yeah, I smoked cigarettes before, so maybe that might be the product. But it just tasted yeah. so much better. I think in a recent, like last six months, I noticed that every time I smoke, I either start getting anxiety now again, or I'm not as productive as I was. Like I come up with uh, excuses and just like a lot of procrastination. So I slowed that down and. I only try to consume like cannabis or like in bigger doses when I'm like completely relaxed or watching a movie. And then for medicinal reasons, I just focus on micro doses, just taking your vitamins daily. And that's pretty much it.
0: That's so funny. I used to do the exact same thing, except I wouldn't smoke as many blends, but would always smoke the backwoods rolled. blunts, oh, yeah. Like Delicious. every single day. They're so tasty, especially like the berry or like the honey ones. They were so good. I still like them, but it's doing came across the same thing i was it was killing my productivity even if i would smoke a little i would just get like lazy and start putting things off so i smoke very little now and it's always during the day or if it's during the day it's like i don't have shit to do that day
1: yeah i can't be on calls because like my mind absolutely not yeah like i and we know this ourselves too like we hop on calls that people are already high in the morning and some of them are just way too stone or ripping a oil vape on there and i'm like you could tell yourself whatever you want that it improves your creativity and all that stuff but that's a fucking lie because if you didn't if you just had i guess if you were just exposed to the natural energy and like the concentration once you could get on that versus being relied on cannabis constantly it's completely different you're sharp you're clean you just feel much better and i noticed that like on some calls i'm like man if this person was just a little bit more sober like if if he had any idea like what clarity is it'd be completely different yeah they get their work done but it's not at full potential I don't care what anyone says exactly most most of the people like 99% of the people they're not working at their full potential you're not with Khalifa sorry to say that or Snoop Dogg you're just not and that's like a cold fact even as somebody who works in the cannabis industry
0: exactly that's exactly how I feel Put somebody, two same exact people doing the same thing. One, what you wake up to a fog and you're just in a fog all day, the other person's crystal clear, sharp. They're going to beat you every single time. I don't care what people say. And yeah, there's, a, there's an issue of your just constantly smoking weed and it's killing your productivity i think there's a serious issue
1: yeah and people we know that like people in cannabis develop these biases where they just don't want to admit it and they're like no it's been such a lifesaver and creative for me it improves my productivity and i'm like you're looking from a different lens but if only you knew what clarity is have yeah, so the opportunity is for people that are able to have that clarity without smoking before calls or before they get out of bed, yeah. <laughs> they're going to dust you. And anybody in the industry, like even weird enough, even like the top executives that I spoke with, that I've worked with, I've never seen them high on a phone call. Maybe, maybe I didn't know, but they just don't seem like they smoke during the day. It's more of a reward towards the end of the day, once you finish exactly. with your work. And I think that's what I've molding myself into in the last six months because it was like it's not bringing me any productivity all I have is just i procrastinate I have the wrong reasons for something not working and then just I don't know like a pessimistic view versus like when you're yeah. sharp and clear you just want to do more and you're focusing on how can I be more productive how can I bring in more better outcomes and be more optimist and a pessimist and I have a lot of friends that are under the cannabis spell and they tell themselves that it works for them but i'm like dude you have no clue i see you i know you for 10 years and i know if you had normal clarity you'd be on another level
0: yeah hitting dopamine um just instant gratification versus getting dopamine from accomplishments is two different things. We literally evolved; it's part of evolution. It's literally what dopamine was for.
1: Yeah, that just that just proves the
0: point. Right? Yeah, exactly. One last question before we go. Favorite. Two last questions. Favorite stoned activity, and then if you can tell us where's the best place to contact you and find you if somebody's interested in improving their UX.
1: First question: best stoned activity. Going on the hike here in colorado somewhere doing a long trail second one would be weightlifting going to the gym like a little bit not too completely stone but just like a little bit there where so you could hit that energetic mix with the pre-workout and all that stuff i think it's like one of the best experiences in terms of where people could find me and mostly on linkedin we'll have probably the links down below Canabatic.com. there's an email opt-in the website hasn't been live at six And so long, but it has my email there, polos at canabetic.com. And then, yeah, that's, those are pretty much the three places where people could reach out.
0: Cool. Yeah. I'll put your links down below in the episode we're publishing. Yeah. I also love weight lifting weights when you're slightly stoned. I think there's, I saw a study somewhere. It does actually help with like your mind muscle connection on small doses.
1: Yeah. If I'm doing anything like hypertrophy training or something a little bit heavier, for some reason, cannabis like, just made it seem heavier. I can't walk in, I, I don't look at it the same way as like if you have two or three plates for a squat. If I'm super stoned, I'll be like, this is freaking heavy. I don't know if I could do it, but if I'm like barely stoned, if I'm synced or if I'm doing more like bodybuilding movies or like like accessorial movements, then it's so nice. Yeah. Just like with the pump, like flies or something like that, arms or something like that. It's just so easy. But when it comes to like heavy lifting, I cannot be too high. It could be like a little bit calmer because it makes me a bitch towards the end.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's it for today. Thank you for coming on here for our first episode. So glad to have you here.